there, and welcome to the Cargo Bay, a Star Wars conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I am Brady C. here with my co-host, just back from his yearly checkup with Dr. Quadpa. It's me, Adam B. I'm, I'm in terrible condition. How are you, BC? Uh, well, I haven't gotten in to see Quadpa in a while, so I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting those test results. Um... But I'm glad you went in. Yeah. It's important to make those those uh, appointments. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really inspire confidence when the doc's name has paw instead of hand in the name. <laughs> you know, I, I want it makes you wonder how nimble and precise the, the paws are. Yeah, what what quality are we getting here? If he's a general practitioner, probably not as bad. But if you're going in for some spinal surgery, you might want someone else. Yeah. Well, I uh. I went in just for a regular old leg checkup. <laughs> he, was, he was just uh, looking at my legs and was fascinated by them. Yeah. Uh, took a sweet, sweet time. Um, but yeah, he says they're, they're not long for this world, although they are long in this world, if you know. I got them long go. legs, BC. <laughs> you got them long, lanky legs, baby. Uh, well, we should, spoiler warning, um, this is episodes four through six of Andor. So now's your chance. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched them, you really—I could not really recommend a lot of Star Wars more highly than these three episodes. So go, go watch. Go em. check out Aldani, The Axe Forgets, and The Eye if you get a chance. Yeah, good eps. Good eps, BC. Gen- good eps, indeed. <laughs> Should we? So, so how are we going to do this again, BC? You've got That's the next. You've one. got the summary. Okay. All right, here's the deal, folks. Uh, you're getting the real, the meat and potatoes of the production meeting uh, that that happened for about 30 seconds before we started uh-huh. recording. Uh, I think what we're gonna do, because this is how I've got my notes formatted, is uh, we'll do a little rundown of episodes four and five, aka Aldani and the Axe Forgets, uh, and I've got that broken down into into kind of separate groups, uh, mainly following Cassian and the Rebels, because that's where the main thrust of the story is. Then we'll do a little Luthen and Mon Mothma talk, and uh, ISB, Deidre, Karn, Imperial, Bad Guy talk. Uh, there's less of that, but those are the three main kind of storylines um, or character groups that are that are being followed in the first two episodes. And then we'll do the I just straight through. And then I figure... We'll do kind of like our our, uh, our breakdown that we did for episodes one through three. Maybe we can do favorite characters, favorite moments, favorite ships or sets or props, that kind of stuff. So sounds good. Um, we got a lot to get through, so I'm just gonna go through it. Let's jump in uh, there, thoroughly, but as quick as I can. Uh, so we pick up uh, where we essentially left off with episode three with uh, Cassian and Luthien, Luthen, not Luthien. Always important. Luthen, uh, escaping from Ferex, where Luthen is going to convince Cassian with an offer of 200,000 big ones, uh, 50k in the form of a down payment as a sky blue kyber crystal, uh, to join the fight against the Empire. I was wishing, because they have done some, or at least in the first three episodes, they had one or two times where they have put graphics on screen, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like when they give us a little more context, like Coruscant comes up and it's like, capital of the galaxy. Great. Yeah. What I wanted to see here was like a little, uh, like, 
eBay page pop up with different items for fifty thousand credits, so I could get like how are we how much how are we much? talking here? Are you gonna retire? What's the conversion? What's got the conversion two years off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is I mean, is it a couple good months or are like you said? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. What's the USD exchange rate on an imperial credit? I, I'm guessing um, they're kind of keeping it a one-to-one thing here uh feels like it doesn't it It seems like that's what they're trying to do like Like vaguely like oh this is a car around his neck this is one u.s dollar yeah Yeah. (laughs) and he's excited about that two hundred thousand because he's going to be set for a long while uh yeah it seems like it's a pretty uh pretty tight to the current usd so i'm gonna keep assuming that yeah, it's not like if he was like, "Here's twenty thousand credits." It's like that's only twenty dollars. I'm not gonna do this. That's insane. You're gonna have to pay me six hundred billion to get me even close. So I feel like yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're at a one to one basically in U.S. dollars. Uh, he he convinces him essentially. He says, "Wouldn't you rather give it all at once for something real than carve off useless pieces until there's nothing left?" And Andor's like. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> turns out he's going to be going into a big stakes, big danger heist to steal the quarterly payroll big for stakes, an entire imperial sector. <laughs> big stakes, big danger. <laughs> I uh, love it. We've turned him into kind of a pirate character when he's in this rebel form, which <laughs> I like a lot. Uh, they land on Aldani, which we do get a little uh, little title of where we are when we land on Aldani, I believe. Where the mission, which we learn has been in the work for five months, will take place. Uh, Luthen is going to convince Vel, the leader of the group of this rebel mission, to allow Cassian, now going by the name of Clem, to join the team. Also like it. Cr- Clem. 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 Yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing choice by Cassian. His father's name, right? <laughs> so. Clem. I'm Clem. Could have been Pete, Ted, Dave, Clem. But his, Clem his adoptive good. father is Clem. So he's, it's also not that undercover. It's like yeah. maybe not good to use your your father's name, but I don't know. Anyway, there's a it's lot of clams out there. Yeah, a lot of clams, a lot of clams. Uh, so he is he's joining the team as a as a quote unquote critical redundancy. Uh, Vel and Clem make the long walk to the rebel camp where he is going to join the group uh, as he learns that they're going to be taking on an imperial garrison, uh, which he's not too excited about. As they're making this walk, two Imperial TIE Fighters rip through the sky above in what is genuinely a menacing moment from TIE Fighters in the Sky. Beautiful. This is how this is how Star Wars should have been used for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's more TIE Fighter stuff that I absolutely love uh, coming up here, so... Yeah, I mean, just fantastic. Again, we're going to be praising this uh, largely. So, uh... Uh, Vel tells Cassian as they're sort of walking through that this land that they were on was once inhabited by like 40,000 Aldanis, uh, but the Empire has driven them south to Imperial factories, new towns, and housing. Fantastic. Uh, turns out Aldani is a perfect hub for dis- distribution for taking over the galaxy. Hey! Which, I, which they might be interested in doing, turns out. Uh, as they make their way back, we are introduced to Nimic, uh, caught sleeping on the job by noted good guy Skeen. Uh, they see Vel uh, approaching with Cassian. Vel gathers a troop uh, consisting of Sinta, Skeen, Terramin, and Nimic to introduce them to Clem. It's a bit of a frosty welcome for our hero Cassian slash Clem Andor. Uh, uh, they are not well, pleased that he's being brought in so late in the game. Well, well, well played uh, by our boy. 
uh, Andor here. I was just thinking about this scene and how I could never in my life pull this off. And I'm like six three, right? So like, but the idea of like I'm gonna play the scene where I walk into this camp and I'm like scary looking enough that like it puts tension in the air. It's like no, I could never one do that. immediately hated, but two look dangerous yeah. enough to be like, what are you gonna do about yeah. it? Yeah, just just rolls in. Uh, great Diego Luna stuff throughout. Yeah. Uh, fantastic stuff from him. Uh, so he rolls into the camp. They're all like, "What? You can mess with our team chemistry. We're going to learn that they probably needed a little messing with uh, after all. Yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, introduced to Lieutenant Gorn, who is the Imperial inside man as part of this uh, rebel heist, uh, who is also displeased with the late arrival of Cassian. I love this, uh, uh, this actor. Uh, I don't know him from anything else. I just I think, love him. I think... Again, we can't praise enough how good the casting is in all of this. Small roles, big roles. I mean, this it just reinforces. I mean, there's so many good parts. And it's nice throughout it, this. It, look, I like I like when the, the the comedians get in on the Star Wars, but it's nice to have a show that so far it hasn't been like, oh look, there's that guy and there's that guy and oh the voice in that stormtrooper helmet is that guy. Okay. It's not, no, we just went out and cast the best yeah, actors that we could find. An interesting technique. It's sh- <laughs> almost shocking that it hasn't been employed more. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know what do we know? <laughs> um, turns out if you just go hire the best trained British stage actors for Star Wars, they can usually crush stuff out of the park. Um, uh, we learned that this Imperial uh, garrison is located on a dammed up sacred river. Um, which is where the heist is going to be taking place. Cassian has some hesitation about the getaway plan, noting that it's a suicide run. Uh, we also learned that the cover for the escape is a naturally occurring phenomenon Al- on Aldani that occurs every three years called the Eye. Uh, at the temple that once sat on the mighty rivers, these Aldanis gather at this sacred spot, and it looks like 50 meteor showers all at once. They have, es- uh, they have calculated their escape trajectory before the eye closes uh, as as a means of, of getting away. Uh, Cassian uh, takes a little snooze, wakes up from his hammock, and finds noted good guy Skeen searching through his belongings. Vel asked him to have a look. They bond over Skeen's tattoos, uh, and we learn of a little bit of noted good guy Skeen's past, uh, and we find out that revenge is his primary motivation. Uh, he notes that Nimic's a true believer, and Cinta is stone-cold and fearless. Uh, Nimic is going to share some delicious dray milk with Cassian as he shares an old piece of tech, which is an astral chart um, that is not Imperial tech. Love uh, it. Nice. About to say, this this is one of your things for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> it's great yeah. to also see, to already be seeing commentary and then be like, just a little drop of, hey, corporations control all of your personal devices. Uh, yeah, because no no mainstream media does that because it's too late for all of us, you know. Like nobody no, nobody cares except for for nerds that like you know. We can only put it in fiction stories because it it no longer rings <laughs> true in humanity. Uh, but yeah, it reminds me of my friends using using Linux out there. <laughs> you know, like shout out Linux yeah. users. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nimic notes that once you've mastered this particular piece of tech, you're free. He says, we've grown reliant on Imperial tech and we've made ourselves vulnerable. 
there's a growing list of things we've known and forgotten. Things like freedom. Nimick is unsurprisingly writing a manifesto. Yeah, uh, he's which, the, the mouthpiece of uh, you know, yeah. he's he's shouting our themes out a little loud and clear here for us in yeah, the back. Um, and at this point in the story, we are definitely feeling like he is going to make it to a nice long life. <laughs> uh, so the, yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty they, clear from the beginning. You better worry about this guy. I mean, he is introduced yeah. with a gun to the back of his head, so for falling asleep, Sle- yeah. <laughs> sleeping on the job. Yeah, it's um, it's in the stars, perhaps, um, which he has charted uh, accurately. Uh, we find out that uh, turns out our group of rebels doesn't really know how to get their escape vehicle off of the runway, which is concerning to Cassian, uh, as he's already noted that that it is a suicide run. So he's pretty shocked to learn this information. And he lets them know, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be doing the piloting on this mission. You can tell him it was your idea, uh, because you can't get the thing off the ground." Uh, the group prepares to run drills for the heist. They are marching as if they are headed for the garrison. A lot of nice model work by the group here uh-huh. in the preparation phase for the heist. Big fan of this. Big fan of the model work and the training that they've got going yeah, on. Yeah, Nimick's got that, that sweet stick model. Amazing stick model by Nimick. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, one, great manifesto writer. Two, an underrated as a model maker. <laughs> Um, we are going to go to the garrison uh, where we see Lieutenant Gorn taking a view from the top of the dam and noting that they are possibly going to be tearing down this particular dam to move an airbase there. So we've got some potential moves happening out on Aldani. The rebels head out of their base camp, making their way to the dam. Uh, Cassian asks Vel about Gorn's involvement. Turns out he fell in love with a local woman, lost promotion, lost the woman, and then lost his taste for the Empire. She says everyone has their own rebellion, and boy, oh boy, what a line that is. Uh, The men posted at the garrison make it clear to Gorn that they want to see the eye, and he's like, listen here. I could probably make that happen. (laughs) Uh, Noted good guy Scheme finds Cassian's kyber crystal and uh, confronts him about why is he here. Cassian's like, I'm being paid. Uh, he lets them know that I don't want to be looking over my shoulder during this mission. Uh, he feels the tension. He says the day before is always hard uh, as they prepare to embark upon this journey. Uh, as they make their way to the dam, they signal Gorn when they are at the sort of the top of the dam area. They have arrived. Skeen, noted good guy, opens up in a beautiful, touching moment about his brother who was killed by the Empire. Uh-huh. He was a farmer. Uh, definitely real brother who was killed by the Empire. Sad, tragic story for our hero Skeen. Uh, we get a little sense of why he's in the fight. Uh, and then we are prepared to do the job. That's the end of the first two episodes for our friends there. Uh, I want to jump over to Luthen and Mon Mothma. Just throwing fire in these two episodes. The best Coruscant content we've ever gotten, BC. <laughs> Mwah, so good. So, so good. Uh, after dropping Cassian off, Luthen, in one of the greatest moments in the history of Star yeah. Wars, transforms <laughs> from Rebel Cell leader to antiquity shop owner with a wave of a hand <laughs> and the placing of a wig and some rings. 10 out of yep. 10, amazing, brilliant, mind blowing Star Wars moment. I love it. Do we want to stop everything we're doing and just talk about this for the rest yeah, of the time? Yeah, well, it's also coming out of this this scene where he, you know, convinces Andor and goes out and talks to um, uh, Val. Vel? Val? Val? Vel. Vel? 
Okay, because Val's in Solo. This is Val. Ba- Val is in Solo. Val is in this. Okay. Val, 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 Val. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the interior of his uh, ship is super cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks great. Got his little robot uh, eye. And then, yeah, we immediately get more cool things about the ship, which is little secret door opening and changing chamber. Whew. The thing collapses Steamed down. towel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a towel steamer in his ship. <laughs> yeah. What an amazing When you're getting into a luxurious character, VC, nothing helps Ooh. more than a little steam towel. <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is about a steam towel, but it, it, it reeks of luxury. <laughs> I it's hope it doesn't a, reek too bad. <laughs> it reeks of mildew and luxury. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. We see him do this full transformation into his, his cover, essentially. And, uh, which is a brilliant moment brilliantly performed moment yeah that hand wave is just perfect where it's like it's just the right amount of like clearly he's done this a million times he's the hand wave the smile like the way that he knows how to how to get into his i'm the antiquities guy now is like it's brilliant it's a brilliant moment to have in this and i i i cannot praise the performance enough when i saw it i was like what <laughs> what it's happening yeah, i was really excited and then we also really, have an excuse really for why his voice is more rough <laughs> yeah it's a real christian bill batman yeah, kind of yeah thing. exactly <laughs> yeah um i'm not wearing hockey pads and or <laughs> i'm not wearing hockey pads <laughs> Uh, well, the Batman crossover episode, I believe, is the next one. So Could look happen, forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so Mon Mothma arrives at Luthen's sort of antiquities collection house uh, in a sick ass blue transport yeah. uh, in the guise of searching for her husband's birthday present. What a knob. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, Luthen's assistant, Clea, shows the driver, uh, Mon Mothma's driver, around as a divergence for Luthen and Mothma to sneak in the back and talk a little rebellion. Uh, it is getting dangerous for Mon Mothma to move money around. There's a new spy in the Senate every day. She says she's found someone she thinks can help. Uh, Leia, right? To... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty... <laughs> Pretty like maybe uh, Leia. <laughs> and no, I want I it to be doesn't. Dale Organa again. Oh, I yeah. want it to be. I want it to be Jimmy Smith and everything. Yeah, let's get him back. Even in if here. we already know he's uh, so a sympathizer, like just keep bringing Jimmy Smith back for every. Well, this is where Star this Wars is thing. a Star Wars he was made for. Uh, like he's got to be. Is the Star Wars he kicking was made himself for. for missing out because it's like this is where you should shine. You should get your yeah. cool scenes being you know high tension thriller moments in the senate he would be so good in this yeah it'd be dumb he's he was great in kenobi but yeah he would be i think his talents would be much better employed in this and the general tone and of, of what this story is but uh you know we we didn't get to write it so no. uh that's the way it is we are um yes we, we tried uh, we are then going to go to mon mothma's house which is one of my favorite sets i've seen yeah, it says, like the height, it's um, it's beautiful. The design is like top tier interior design. Absolutely love it. Uh, but we learn that the beautiful facade is hiding a a rotten marriage with her husband Perrin. 
Talk about a knob parent. He's invited some friends over for a dinner he party. Invited, he uh, invited Mitch McConnell over. <laughs> yeah, he invited Mitch McConnell, uh, Ted Cruz, and uh, Ron DeSantis are coming over for dinner. And Mon Mothma's like, what a crew. you just invited all of the people who hate me to the dinner table. Thanks. Uh, he's like, uh, whatever, I'm parent. Uh, and then we get one of the craziest lines in the history of Star Wars where at the end of the scene he just says, must everything be boring and sad? <laughs> and I'm like, what show are we watching at this point? I am so like out of my mind excited. Yeah, this is what I this uh, is what I had dreamed of uh, when Disney bought Star Wars. So I was like, someday they're gonna do a political thriller in, in Star Wars. Uh, and you know, then changed my mind very quickly that that would ever happen. This is what I wanted. I wanted a well-made uh, thing focusing on the politics of Star Wars, not in a boring, confusing way, in a in an interpersonal drama kind of way. Here it is, understandable, <laughs> understandable way, like a, a a way that makes sense as storytelling, yeah. which has not always been the case. And with yeah, uh, we'll. To be continued. Yeah, we'll, yeah. I'm going to put a pin. That's a long conversation for me. Uh, Mon Mothma then has the worst breakfast of all time with her husband Perrin and daughter Leda, given some real uh, teen mother, uh, teen daughter, and mom vibes. Uh, if you have a sister, you may have been there at some point in this uh, mother-daughter relationship where it's just like things are icy between uh, my sister and my mom. And uh, this is uh, probably the height of that. Uh, <laughs> I, ho- well, really I hope. <laughs> Hurtful and, and painful family breakfast. Uh, again, just an insight into the Mothma uh-huh. uh, situation there. Uh, and then sort of at the end of that two-episode run, we've got uh, Luthen checking the comms uh, for any word from the Rebels. Clea notes that she doesn't like seeing him nervous uh, as they are getting ready for the big day. He asks her if she's got her go bag ready. Uh, she notes it'll all be over this time tomorrow or it will just be starting. Dot, dot, dot. After that, dot, 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 dot. that's what I've got in my notes uh, anyway. Ellipses. VC, is this? It, it. We don't get the the scene of them in the car together, um, Mon Mothma and her husband in episode. That happened somewhere in episode two, right? Uh, yeah, five. I, yes, I, I, just, I left it. I left it out uh, of here. It just was. It's a beautiful moment, but it's just like even more attention yeah i just wanted to mention that's like one of the prettiest special effects shots i've seen like in in star wars in the past i don't know forever it just looks really (laughs) really good flying around it looks amazing Uh, i love the look of that blue yeah it's from episode two it's like an episode two wheels on that thing i want to drive it around (laughs) i just i just want it to be a boat all this oh yeah a boat would be good too uh the paint finish on it though is immaculate yeah yeah sorry to derail uh, i just Ooh, it's no, no 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 it's pretty i um, it's gorgeous i like whenever i first thought i was like "Ooh, that looks good on the screen there's a lot of things that look good on the screen including the imperial security bureau oh the yeah ISB, which we are introduced to Ooh. for the first time very very monochromatic imperial vibes this is like the nsa fbi cia of the empire and they're using uh, a real or, world building uh which i love yep. i love them using all this weird architecture usually you know like brutalist hallways um, but whatever i don't know what style of architecture this is but 
it's nice. You can tell it's real. And it yeah. looks like it's from Earth. And it, it guess what? It doesn't ruin Star Wars. <laughs> Instead, it's like, oh, wow, this has impact. <laughs> it looks amazing. Uh, it, it looks absolutely incredible. Um, we, we learn... Uh, let me go back and get the character's name. I don't want to... Uh, we've got Major Partagaz, uh, played by <laughs> Anton Lesser, uh, as sort of the leader of the ISB, uh, who lets them know that security is an illusion. We are healthcare providers. Uh, great line. Yep. Uh, they bring up the Ferrix incident, uh, where the Starpath unit uh, comes up, which brings the attention to uh, our new... Uh, one of our new antagonists uh, is uh, Dedra. Uh, who is very interested in her missing Starpath unit. Uh, another one of the agents, Blevin, uh, we see him dressing down Karn and our security team from the first three episodes. Good to Great. see those guys yep. again, all together. Yep. Uh, always always a classic. Uh, as we learn that the Morlana system is now under permanent Imperial authority. Good job, Karn. Yep. Way to go. Beautiful. Uh, Dedra is on the hunt for her Starpath unit, finds out that it was on Ferex. Blevins refuses to turn over the files because that's under his jurisdiction. Real bureaucratic headbutting going on here between these two, uh, which is a lot of fun. And now to one of my favorite uh, things is is Karn getting off at the airport, taking the long walk <laughs> yeah. home. Through truly brutalist art yeah, architecture yeah. that has like this really long like vanishing point yeah. sort of style to it, which looks brilliant. It's just like him walking to the Charlie Brown music, the sad Charlie Brown music home. He arrives home and gets slapped in the face by his mother. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And they have that they have that person in the background I love too, that she's you know, yes. slaps him and then hugs him and is like you know. What, what are, are you doing? Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant Star Wars stuff. Um, yes, we've got more of this jurisdiction about the Starpath unit. Um, she also knows that she's seeing some coordinated activity across multiple sectors, uh, but her request for Ferex information is shot down. <laughs> we, <laughs> we open on a pensive Karn uh, looking out the window, uh, crying, eating some Cocoa Puffs. Uh, served by his mother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get some a uh, fun mother-son scene. Just real vibes in this one. Just real disappointed in you vibes. Uh, he's got no prospects, and she is not making nice about it. But she's going to reach out to Uncle Harlow. Good old Unky Harlow. Uh-huh. Uh, to see if she can call in a family favor. Again, the vibes of this are... Mwah, yeah, very good. So good. The, the Cocoa Puffs... I can't the get set is beautiful again. Uh, yep. Great Star Wars set. Beautiful Star Wars stuff. Uh, we've got again. Daedra is onto something. Organized. She continues her search. It's too random to be random. They note of these rebel cells popping up, uh, and then we're gonna get more Karn with cereal again. Uh, Uncle Harlow has felt that never uh, that police work was never his chosen path, according to his mother. And he wants to think about Karn's path, this all coming via his mother. So that's sort of the end of, of those three journeys in the first two episodes. Now we'll go into the exciting conclusion that is the eye, uh, which uh, we got a lot going on here. So we've got Cassian, and uh, a.k.a. Clem, and Nimic. Uh, Nimic was unable to sleep the night before. He ended up writing about Cassian. Well, not Cassian directly, but the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. A real page-turner in the manifesto. 
Uh, we are then introduced to Imperial Honcho J-Hold from the garrison, uh, talking some real smack about the native population and how the Empire was able to uh, essentially control them and remove them from the land. Great stuff. Yep. It's very Good proud of the Empire. Yeah. Yep, absolutely proud of that. Uh, and then the engineer who has arrived that they are trying to impress asks, will the Donnies let us build our new facility in peace? To which Lieutenant Gorn essentially responds, I don't think they have much of a choice. Uh, which, of course, they don't because the Empire noted bad guys. Uh, Terraman, uh, with his team of Nimic, Skeen, and Klim, make contact with Vel and Sinta, who are on a separate team. Uh, they head out. We learn that Terraman was once a stormtrooper, and that stormtrooper slaughtered Senta's entire family, according to noted good guy Skeen. Uh, they are now in Imperial garb, uh, dressed to escort the Donnies to the Sacred Temple for viewing the Eye. Uh, our Imperial J-Hold, this is another wild scene that I'm glad exists. We've got J-Hold getting dressed for for this ceremony. The sash no longer fits around his tum-tum. Uh-huh. Might have put on a few pounds on Eldani. Uh, but it's it's just another like little family scene where he is talking smack to his wife and complaining about his son who's always sick. Yeah, doesn't want to and wear his just, imperial shawl. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course he doesn't. He's a kid. Um, he's always sick. Um, I mean, but yeah, just a little, little moment that doesn't need to exist that does. You're telling me you wouldn't have wanted to wear that cape when you were a kid. <laughs> I would have worn. I saw that thing and I was like, I would have been in that in that Give imperial shawl. <laughs> Give me the cape. And is there a ceremonial scepter <laughs> yeah, that I yeah. can carry to? <laughs> can I have a little dagger, uh, please. Can I have any any other props you got? <laughs> any other ceremonial things? I'll do it. Uh, yeah, he was not, uh, the sun was not uh, as about that as perhaps we would have been. Good little imperial babies that we are. Vel uh-huh. <laughs> um, and Senta make their way to the top of the dam. They put a signal block on the comms. Then After they repel the, down the face of the dam. Scuba diving. We got yeah, they, weird they little scuba, scuba scene. Little scuba suits. Uh, scuba up into a very tactile real world. This is, again, an actual thing that exists yeah. that, in the world that they're shooting on, which is amazing. Uh, on the ground, they get the go. Uh, Clem and company head back from the ceremony with the Donnies that they've been escorting. Follow Gorn as they make their way in towards the quarterly payroll, uh, where they launch the heist. They take everyone hostage, including the wife and child of J-Hold, uh, uh, who I noted as old grumpy fuss in here because I couldn't remember his name when I was <laughs> writing this. So old Imperial grumpy fuss. Uh, Senta kills the Imperial engineer, uh, and then they head to the payroll vault. Great, uh, the Imperial. That's that's one of the good sounding blasters in this show. Yeah, I know you got some blaster. <laughs> you got some blaster, some blaster notes, blast. but Senta's yeah. uh, pistol sounds like an episode one. Uh, pistol uh, and it sounds great Rings clear and true and strikes deadly yeah on uh on the engineer there and the imperials start to kind of realize that something is going on with their comms must just be the eye uh the rebels make it to the vault and start to load the escape ship with a whole bunch of money uh nimic is firing up his navigator as they're preparing to escape the imperials then start to intercept the actual rebel com- rebel communications they head down to the vault all of this, I want to note, is being intercut with the Donnies having one hell of a party as the eye is really kicking in. 
good times by the Donnies out there. <laughs> there's, um, let's say there's one or two too many cuts back to the Donnies, right? <laughs> well, there maybe are a couple too many. Uh, that's why I noted, I was like, we're just going back to the Donnies partying a lot, which is fine. Like, okay, cool. Um, it's all like, it's all this like ratcheting up of the tension though, which this episode is just like, you yeah. want tension? Yeah. We'll give you tension. Uh, Speaking of tension, we get the Alkenzi Air Command being alerted as the TIE Fighters are getting ready to engage in what is, to me, genuinely one of the most menacing scenes of, like, TIE Fighter preparation. I don't need a thousand of them flying in space. I need three of them, knowing that there's just a tiny little group of rebels down there. I'm like, that's terrifying. It's truly, truly terrifying that these things are being ready to come and attack where where our rebels are. The show Fantastic understands stuff. that scale and tension are not the same thing. It's very yeah. nice. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, the Imperials make it to the vault, and guess what? It's shootout time, where we get some some wet noodle blasters uh, <laughs> blasting at each other. Terramin and Lieutenant Gorn rest in peace. They are killed uh, in exchange of fire. Love both of them. Um, and I thought, I thought maybe one of them would get away. Um, I did think one of the no. two would make it. Did not. But sadly, sadly, no. Uh, Nimic saves Cassian by killing an Imperial who had made it on board the escape ship and was choking Cassian out. Uh, Skeen, noted good guy, exchanges fire, uh, as he gets to Vel as they, uh, prepare to join Nimic and Cassian on board. Uh, as they are all boarded and making their escape, uh, Nimic is crushed by the uh, about I'd say thirty million credits uh, sitting in the back of, I, of the say, freight that they've got there. Our revolutionary crushed literally by by capital. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful moment in Star Wars, you know. You gotta love it. It's uh, it's amazing. You got. I mean, you have to love yep. the like yeah. the balls that it takes to write that. He's crushed by money. Yeah, by a giant, by a giant pile of money. Giant, giant pile of money kills our revolutionary. <laughs> Shocking, uh, but amazing stuff in Star Wars. So he's crushed by a pile of money. He's still alive, but he can't feel his legs. He was alive for the moment, anyway. Spoiler. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Bell um, gives him some he's... some drugs that somehow it is conveyed to me in that moment. Uh, yeah, that'll keep him alive, but that's not necessarily <laughs> the best way to keep him alive long term. It seems like yeah, this quick... is this is a good for now fix. It's like an uh, adrenaline shot. To, <laughs> it's it's good enough for him to be able to navigate them through the eye as the uh, as the Tie Fighters using their Imperial tech get smashed by the eye. Uh, they make their way safely through uh, uh, on to the other side of the eye. I gotta say, BC. In Star Wars, I never want to see someone pulling a, a, a flight stick back. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like when there's a massive ship and the idea is like, if I just pull a little harder, if I just pull on the stick, we're going to go up. <laughs> that was cracking me up. <laughs> well, you're a stick boy. You know. I am. I am a stick boy. And I, I, I know boy. eventually you can't pull that stick any harder. <laughs> That's, that's not how it works. It's as back as it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's but, you know, tension's up. Tension's yeah, up. Yeah. He's pulling hard. Uh, he has navigated safely through. Uh, and then we get a little disagreement between Vel and noted good guy Skeen as they disagree on whether to, to go to the, their contingency plan doctor and try to save Nimic's poor life. 
Uh, Skeen, again, noted good guy, advocates to divert to the doctor, uh, which Cassian does. Uh, once we arrive at uh, Dr. Quadpaw's clinic, noted good guy Skeen, wait, what's this? Proposes to walk away with half of the credits from the heist with Cassian? Wait, I thought he was a good guy. <laughs> I've been saying it this whole time. I still think uh, he might be a good guy. It turns out he might be, um, but he turns out he does not have a brother. He tells Cassian, and uh, Cassian responds by blasting him dead, turning down the <laughs> offer of a forty million walk away on the splitsies. Uh, so we get that nice. Little shoots moment. him real uh, quick. <laughs> shoots him real quick and real dead. Nice, nice, quick action from Cassian Andor. Always a man quick with the blaster. Uh, we learn that, unfortunately, Dr. Quadpaw and all four of his hands could not save Nimic in his poor crushed spine. Cassian then says, I'm going to walk away from this, but I'm going to keep my cut. You can have the freighter and what is left. He gives Vel the kyber crystal to return to Luthen. Before he walks away, she gives him Nimic's manifesto as one of his dying wishes, it would seem. And then at the end of the episode, we get the ISB going into all hands-on-deck mode. We get a hubbub in the Senate as Mon Mothma is making a speech, and then we hear Luthen the next day hearing word of a big rebel attack on Aldani and going out back and having a nice long chuckle about it. <laughs> and end of episode six. A long chuckle and then undercut by a, a then grim realization. <laughs> yeah, but a good long yeah, chuckle yeah, beforehand. Sure. Just a maniacal <laughs> chuckle. Uh, these these are three amazing episodes of television. Yes. Some of my favorite Star Wars that has been produced, uh, dare I yes. say, ever. Yeah. Uh, of all time. I'll say, yeah, this for me, BC, like, I, I this... This is more entertaining to me than than Rogue One and probably most movies could be because so much of Star Wars is kind of these unbelievable heists taking place where I'm just a little mm -hmm. immune to storming the castle. However, yep. when you spend two hours setting up storming the castle and then what we get is almost like a a James Bond like action yeah. sequence um, is very grounded and it's about the tension, not how many people are being shot or flying around. Uh, I love it. I, I, I will say I, I watched the eye for the first time at like eight in the morning. I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. I didn't do my typical <laughs> watch it at midnight PST when right. it drops uh, and definitely enjoyed it much more on the second watch. Um, it wasn't that I disliked it the first time. I was just a little bit like, huh? And then I watched it again and I was like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> I think watching it I, at seven in the morning is not I ideal for me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's when I watched it first, which is fairly par for the course for me. I usually watch them when I wake up because staying up till two is, is not my bag to watch it on release. The first watch for me was choice. <laughs> the second one I was taking notes. So I was like, okay, yeah, I remember all this stuff. It's good. Um, but it still, it still holds up completely. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's it's so hard. To, I mean, I, the storytelling is so good. It's hard for me to to break up what these three episodes are. It's a it's its own mini movie. Right? Yeah, we've got two two mini movies essentially at this point, where the world building, the character building, the story that's being told in the first two parts make the third part pay off in a way that is so satisfying where we are given time 
with these characters. We are given time in these worlds and these in these locations that that make everything about the big spectacle of the finale part like just sing like it's so good it's i mean it's those moments with mon mothma and her husband that no other show is going to take time to do like i i was genuinely shocked when i was like we're seeing just like a weird marital strife this isn't gonna sell toys (laughs) it sure isn't (laughs) I'm not looking forward to the Perrin black figure yeah. when that comes out. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen, but it, who cares? Yeah. Because it's yeah, such it's an emotional, uh, emotional moment. It's so human. It's so like connected to uh, he, like humanity, like actual humanity, which a lot of time is lacking in star Wars because it's star Wars. The property is so like otherworldly space opera. You know, like it's so, how big can we make this? This show is not that, which I love. It's a, it's an exciting change of pace to tell these personal stories where we have those moments with Mon Mothma. Even when we have the moments with uh, the Imperial officer and his family before the Aldani ceremony, like they're, these things don't exist in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, not they, before. They never really have. And now that I'm like, we're getting them, I'm like, this is what makes the story good. Like really, uh, and good is a broad term, but it makes us as viewers invested in everything that these characters do. They're what motivates them, what they're trying to do, both you know on a micro and macro level in the story. And it, it just, I'm so invested in everything because they take the time to to earn that investment from me. Yeah. Which is shocking. Yeah, the almost. when they take the the child hostage, you now have context of like, "Oh, that's a sick little kid." <laughs> like, yeah. And also, uh I what I'm loving about this show is like, yeah, the the rebellion is essentially like a terrorist organization to start or would be yeah. labeled as such uh by the empire. We get to see them not being clean around the edges. Um, we get to see them being violent, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. because they have a revolution to to fight. And uh, I love that this is becomes about the heroism of people who don't make it, you know, as heroes, which is obviously that's a theme in, in Rogue One. But there's still like this right. grand sense of glory at the end of like, we made it through this big thing here, you know, uh the the commander and Terramen, like they they don't even know if the mission gets pulled off correctly they're just dead with no ceremony around it and it's like yeah that's yeah. how that's how a lot of people have their sacrifices made it's like you gotta you gotta find the heroism in those people and give them some time to speak uh so it's i don't know it's nice to not have that you don't even get an extra camera shot of like yeah that guy's down it's like no we don't have time <laughs> they're they've been shot i Keep I, moving. <laughs> I, I forgot gorn was dead until it's like oh yeah he's just shot and there's there's no bones about it he's yeah, just gone yeah. Terraman shot he's gone we don't dwell on it we're like we gotta move like yeah. this thing this rebellion is hanging by a thread right now so we gotta get out of here and fly through the eye and and andor has to go through so much that that rogue one does feel like a victory you know for him at the end like we see him as broken in that movie uh we're gonna get yeah. to see why 
I have a feeling I heard the showrunner say there are like over 200 speaking parts um, in yeah. this, <laughs> which is part of the reason why I was like, not many of these people are going to make it through this. <laughs> we got to start. They're oh. going to start getting other characters in <laughs> to be developed. And then, then yeah, probably we're going to need that. to we're going to need to turn over some, some performers <laughs> here. Yeah, I want to go back to the the idea of scale, too. I think you mentioned it before, but. Oh, we're talking about when the the three Tie Fighters come down, and how it's so much more menacing than say the the opening of Episode Three, right? Where it's the biggest space battle as they're making their way to Grievous's yeah. capital ship, and there's just blasters flying everywhere. I mean, like, that is one of my favorite CG- scenes in Star Wars. I, <laughs> no, I I love it. I legitimately love it, but. It doesn't. There's no. There's no I mean, weight it's a, it, to it. There's yeah. no weight at all. You're just like floating on the excitement of what you're seeing, which which is one version of Star Wars, yeah. right? But this being like, there's three. There's three Tie Fighters coming for you, which is infinitely scarier somehow than flying through the middle of a giant battle where there's literally hundreds of thousands of blaster fires coming at you yeah. at any given moment. The Tie Fighters don't have. They just have to get in the ship, and I'm like. That's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, I love... Like, they uh, don't have to fire anything. They just have to get in their ship and start turning the engines on. And you're like, oh, my God, that's terrifying. I I loved getting to see, you know, our, our TIE fighter pilots uh, suiting up. I felt like the, the production budget wasn't quite there for the cockpit shots the way it has been in other parts of the show. Um, it doesn't look as dense uh, somehow. Like, the, the camera angles are just, like, a little too wide or something. Um, but whatever. Yeah. I love uh, getting fighter pilots and i don't think we've ever seen them in live action run across the rail and drop down Mm -hmm. into the cockpit before i could be wrong um but yeah love that this is super cool and and the use of the tie fighters through the whole thing is like oh yeah one of one of those is scary (laughs) yeah the first time they they fly through the sky when they're when they're just making their journey back to the rebel camp like you just hear it and then, it, like, it legitimately sounds like something is ripping through the sky above, and it's m- menacing. Like, the sound of them is menacing, and it's the same sound that you always hear, but it's the context in which it's delivered, where it's like, if you're two people out walking in an open field, and you hear that sound overhead, you're kind of like, okay, well, this could be the end. <laughs> Death from above, like, you just never know. So the the way they use it, they use that particular device twice yeah. as as sort of like just flying overhead as like a kind of like a routine patrol is what it seems like. Um, but the way that it affects our characters on the ground is like, yeah, that's that's pretty effective as a device of terror. Yeah, yeah. Uh, small scale terror is better. Um, and then, again, they're actually hiding from laser bolts. Um, gotta give it to the the action direction for that like it seems like they could die uh as you mentioned i do not like the blaster sounds in that shootout i don't know why they don't have impact and when they repeat like there's a shot of uh of nimic like laying down shooting the blaster over and over and it's like the exact same sound even though the gun is changing position a little bit and it's uh, I wouldn't compare it to a Rogue One clip of that first battle on Jetta, and it's like no, it's way these blasters have way more punch. Um, so I'm not sure what that was about. And I was also disappointed that they've been rocking AKs with banana clips 
for the whole like episode. It's like I'm sure when they were shooting that, those were going to be projectile weapons. And it might have been something that Disney was like, no, they got to be lasers um, if they're that. they're killing people. We can't have because it makes no sense for a power cell to be shaped like a banana clip. Like and there are projectile weapons in Star Wars and it would have been fun and impactful to see, you know, the, the poor rebels using like projectile weapons with kick against, you know. Uh, laser rifles but you know minor complaint it's just one of my, the the only things in this show so far i've been like i have a note <laughs> i've got notes I note. yeah i i i, did, I didn't really ha- i'm i think the the only real note that i had is uh, out of my own ignorance whenever they were talking about the quarterly payroll for some reason i assumed that was information yeah i did too i thought it was going to be like look we found out that these senators are getting payouts we've got all these people on this list turns out it's just a big old pile of gold <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh i was like oh okay because it makes sense going back because they do a, a shot of the vault where you see those rows yeah. and rows of the credits where it's kind of like is that where data is stored like i've, I've never seen that thing in Star i hadn't Wars either before. at that when i saw those i started to assume it was money but up to that point i had like you had been like, yeah. oh, that we're going to find out everybody who's getting paid by the Empire. Yeah, it's like we're taking. Yeah, because I was like, that would be because I was of two minds. And I, it, it makes sense now that it's money. But I was of the mind originally. I was like, oh, yeah, that would be really important for the rebels if they had the the intel, the information on who the Empire is paying off, who where the money is being moved I, around to within this sector. I thought that was going to be a big like, Mon Mothma payout is, look at this, yeah. the Empire has been paying these, like, at these movements there, you know, that they say they're fighting against. They've been paying for these, like, insurgencies in, in your towns. And, you know, like, basically just the classic real-world uh, government. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. But it, it, I mean, it makes sense whenever you go back to like Mon Mothma and Luther, where it's like, I can't move money around anymore. So it's like, okay, well, we're just going to go stash 80 million and see what yeah. we can do with 80 million US dollars Yeah, <laughs> uh, in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Again, a pretty, pretty close conversion rate where, as we understand we're assuming, it. Yeah. Um, I, I did love that not all of the money made it in. Um, I like how mm-hmm. haphazard everything uh, was at the end there. I, again, it just felt like a real and visceral heist where things weren't yeah. going perfectly. Uh, I mean, the the rewatch for me made uh, made the heist aspect of it even better. Like the action direction, the the tension that's being ratcheted up the entire time. Like the I don't know the the pacing of the editing in terms of, I mean, yeah, we cut back to the Aldani's a bunch, but, but what we're cutting in between in all the different locations is just, you get the sense that this is chaotic. It's visceral. It needs to happen. Like with boom, boom, boom. The fact that we don't linger on deaths is like, we got to keep, we got to keep moving. We have to keep going because the, the way that it, and it's it's again i think it's it's great writing and direction and storytelling but the way that that these imperials start to figure out what's going on the way that they're engaging makes sense that they're not immediately like hey there's only like six of them why don't we do something these aren't the most like hey we're combat ready like you see the one imperial guard who's just like sitting down until the door opens yeah, and it yeah. pops back yeah. up. And you're like, this is who they are. Like, they're betting, they're gambling. Like, they're on an outpost where they don't do anything. So when someone comes in 
with a blaster pointed in their face. They're like, okay, yeah, fine. We'll, we'll do it. Okay, great. As they start to catch on, it's like, okay, we're going to, you see them start to fight back. But the fact that it takes a little while for them to be like, hey, there's a lot more of us than there are of you makes sense in, in terms of the pacing and the storytelling and the payoff is, is as those two sort of forces are colliding at the very end, all ramping up to, we got to get out of here. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh, we're sort of dragging along, figuring out what's going on with the comms. Oh, okay. We've got guns too. We should probably do something about this. By that time they're gone. You know what I mean? It, I just loved the entire way that was shot and paced. That's, I mean, it is legitimately one of the best action sequences I think that exists in Star Wars in terms of how that is told. I mean, compare that, uh, not to dunk too much on Book of Boba Fett, but compare that to the big battle oh, in Book yeah. of Boba Fett, which is like almost incompetent yeah. in terms of how that action sequence is, is shot at, you know, when they're in town and, you know, the Rancor's coming in. I'm going to go get a high angle. Okay. I'll be I'll be back in like 20 or 30 <laughs> He's like, what is happening? I'm gonna run out in it, the open, to, like across. It just—it makes no. I don't, it's. I would. I would love to put those two side by side and just be like, okay, well, what happened? <laughs> what 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 went well and what could have gone better for you? Yeah. Um. Because I've watch this one because this is how this should be done. Yeah. I mean, to me, this again, it's all, it's all relative to to who you are and how you enjoy things. Of but course. I think for Star Wars boys like us. This is like I'm in hog heaven. Yeah, watching yeah. this, I'm just like this is amazing. Yeah, it's the, the the beats, the storytelling, all of it is just it's it's everything I want it to be. It's it's truly delightful to be like, oh, this is better than I thought I would ever get out of Star Wars again. Um, this is like yeah. as good as I can hope for. Um, you know, my minor complaints aside. Um, and I do, I do like the ending, though. Like I said, I think that um, Skeen, you know, I would have waited for a little more confirmation that he wasn't just uh, pulling my leg or trying to figure out my loyalty or whatever <laughs> before. Uh, but blasting him to death. I don't know. I like, I like our decisive hero. Um, and what, what do you think is happening next, VC? What's going to happen with Vel and her lover who's still on planet? Uh, who's still planet side dressed Man. as an officer is Andor yeah. going to now go back to his home and find it ravaged by the Imperials. Um, is he going to see his mom die? <laughs> like, and that's going to then turn him into the revolution that with, along with reading the manifesto, turn him into whatever he is to become. Um, uh, wild speculation. Let's get into some of that. Yeah. Um, well, so here's, here's what we do now. Um, this was sort of confirmed by by Tony Gilroy in a, a recent podcast that he did. That uh, so thus endeth the second arc of three episodes that we just watched. The next episode is apparently sort of a standalone ish episode. Love it. And then we're gonna go into another three episode arc, and then a two episode finale. So, I mean, <laughs> one I can't I can't say how excited I am. About <laughs> yeah. all of this. And just genuinely, every week I'm like. Give me to the end over. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't. I don't get the sense that he's going to return to Ferrix, especially now that it's fully occupied by the Empire. I would love to see it, and I hope we do still get more like 
glimpses and insights into what's going on because I think part of what this this show can do is is speak to the aftermath of of these rebel activities. We saw some of that. Okay, well, what what's the fallout from what Cassian did on Ferex? Yeah. All right, that that was now the empires in the entire sector. They've taken over security. What's the fallout going to be now that like there's rumblings in the Senate that Aldani was, you know, heisted by a rebel group. Like you see the the major machinations of the ISB engaging whereas like originally it was like okay, there's an isolated incident on Ferrix. You go do this. There's, you know, going to be a a minor dispute about who has any sort of jurisdiction on Ferrix. Now it's like, hey, everyone in the room, we're going to focus on what just happened on Aldani. So what does that mean for Aldani if what happened on Ferrix was imperial control? Like, what's the fallout going to be there? You're right. Senta uh, is, we, we get sort of the shot of her being very much like, okay, well, here I am in this. I don't know if we go back and revisit it. I would love to. But I feel like there's a there's a forward momentum that's like yes there's going to be fallout but we're we're moving forward with the story. I don't think we're done with Vel yeah. for some reason because of her connection with Luthen. Um, but in terms of where it's going, I, I I don't really have any like major speculation other than I'm excited. I hope that it has more to do with the the local ramifications of the incidents. I love that we got that. I mean, it's a minor moment where they go back to Ferex and uh, he's talking to uh, it's something Blevins um, from the ISB. And he's talking to like the local guy and he's like, can I, can I be a yeah. prefect? <laughs> I know it doesn't come with a pay raise, but can I be a prefect? And he's like, well, sure, whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> just like the, the fact that, they're they're moving in. They're taking over the city. They're clearing out a building to be their headquarters. You know, it's no longer a hotel. It's imperial headquarters. Like, it means something because I'm still thinking of Brasso. Yeah. From our first three episodes, I'm like that guy's got to live with a bunch more shit going on on his planet because of something that happened. Yeah. Like now that entire planet is on lockdown. Well, that's a, so it's I still that sort of fallout is exciting to see. I would prefer not to go back to Ferex, uh, but I do think I do think that Brasso and uh, Andor's previous lover, and I think I think people have to die for him to be motivated to stick it in the Imperials' eye. Uh, I oh, you know, uh, I would prefer to big, be wrong, but how how much of uh, Nimic's manifesto are you? Do you think it, we're going to get read? Because yeah, that's a good question. Do you think Cassian just to me like I'm gonna put it on the nightstand? I'll get to it. Like you know, we've all got that book. You're like I'm gonna read yeah. that. I'm gonna get to it eventually. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna man. blow the dust off the the cover. It's been sitting there for a while. That's got a coffee ring on it because I set a book down. It. You know, there's gonna be a, a coffee cup on it. Be a great uh, super deluxe edition of that at uh, Barnes and Noble eventually for us to read for ourselves. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I. I uh, I, a quick uh, a quick excerpt from Nimic's manifesto, uh, if you don't mind. The pace of imp- uh, the the pace of oppression outstrips our ability to understand it, and that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine. It's easier to hide behind forty atrocities than a single incident. Yep, sounds relevant. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, 
I love that this voice exists in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, I didn't think I would it get is, it, especially in Disney ne- era. <laughs> you know? Never, never thought I would get it. I mean, he might as well have been crushed by a, a thousand Mickey Mouse hats <laughs> in the back of that, the back of that freighter. You know what I mean? But, it's like, but Imperial Credits is a fine substitution. But the fact, like, I don't know. I it's, I think that when when Vel says everyone has their own rebellion that that rings so true that you you have this uh, literally a diverse group of people who have their own fighting interests we learn that Sinta's family was her entire family was killed by stormtroopers lieutenant gorn is betraying the empire because they essentially tore him away from his Al, his native aldani love denied him promotion and stuck him on this planet um or made him stay on this planet um, Cassian obviously has his own gripes with the Empire, but everyone has their own internal struggle that they are dealing with, and that is in, in its way its own lens to view their fight against the Empire. It's it's complex. There is there is depth and complexity and density in this storytelling, but it's not at the sake of making it like confusing. Yeah, it, it's, it's just not there's exposition. There's, no it's 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 like it's character motivated as opposed to like plot density which is like i don't know there's there's things like i mean i i don't know i would like lord of the rings the books which i love are fantastic they are dense Mm -hmm. right like you are just there's so much lore and story and history that goes into all of that and that that feels very much like story plot density and there's character depth to be sure, but this as a as a TV show, you you can get that complexity with just simple character moments, simple performance. Luthen doing the hand wave, I can't get over like how much that tells yeah. about that character just with a performance beat, right? Like it's just a a transformation of this is what I have to do to engage in my version of the rebellion to be. A financier to be, uh, you know, a major player in the game. I've got to put on this facade, and I have to, like, literally, he has to work himself, in, like, physically manifest that version of himself to continue his part of the fight. Everyone has specific and individual things, which, again, makes the story complex, but not in a bad way. It makes it so much. It's a, like a rich tapestry that is so rewarding. When we see these characters start to interact with each other, when when Tony Gilroy talks about having like 200 speaking parts, they're not just like throwaway like, oh, we just need someone to do this line. They're thought out characters that have moments that are written for them that make everything they do on screen so engaging. Yeah, I mean, we learn more about some of these one line characters, you know, with their one line and situation (sighs) than we do about Finn and all of the sequels, you know um yes it's just I, like... I mean you 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 feel like i mean i don't know there's yeah, we could talk about some of the characters that are in uh the movies that we we just don't really know and i would compare it to like um oh what's a good i mean karn himself is is whatever his we're gonna keep going with him and it seems like he's gonna be re-engaging yeah. with the empire pretty strong here in a moment but his his character is is more fleshed out than 
like Kylo Ren. You know, like yeah. where it's like Kylo Ren was a. I had an uncle who tried to teach me the ways of the Jedi, and I didn't like it, and so I had to go bad. And it's like I still don't really understand most of his motivation, other than like yes, as as an exposition, I yes, he he was good. He has gone bad. Karn, you are given like moments of story where you learn about like the disappointment of his mother, like the fact that she never thought that he would amount to to something the the fact that he tried to take on something that he was incapable of doing and completely ruined an entire sector of the galaxy uh for people it's like that's a villain origin story right there yeah and it's it's not it doesn't have to go out of its way to 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 be expositiony it's so character driven it's so it's so i mean it's just so well written i can't i'm i think that's the heart of what this is is that it's so it's it's so well written, well written, and and well performed, uh, for yeah. sure. I, I Every, think a lot of this would fall just flat. In yeah, if it if it weren't, you know, if the if the the crappy husband wasn't so great at playing a crappy husband, oh. it would fall a little flat. But instead, like, it's I like, hate that guy wow. because he's so good at being hateable. Yeah, yeah, yeah Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like he's like, like that. It's it's such a yeah. I, I don't know. We can just sit here and talk about how good it is, but it's like the the way the writing the characters the the scenery everything the synthesis of all of those elements with minor gripes here or there which are are don't even compare to the amount of stuff that we love about it yeah the way that those things all come together is like is how any good production should be done star wars or otherwise right like this is this is what filmmaking is at its best when it's like, hey, we've got all departments on board. We've got directors with the vision. We've got actors who are buying in to the vision, who are selling the costumes, who are working the scenery, who are bought into every element of the story and and performing the hell out of it. And it's shot beautifully oh, man, that, because we've got great cinematography. That comms room, full architecture. The, the comms uh, room on the dam, with just like a million uh, lights in there. I was like, that would have been so cool <laughs> to work in there. Like, that's a set. Like, yeah. these are like the way that I don't know. Uh, we're volumed out, I think, in terms of what we've seen. So yeah. another part of this is like they found physical locations. They were they're able to integrate in a real way the Star Wars of it. The uh, I forget what it's like the, it's some, the airport that Karn arrives in, is like a it's like a I mean it's obviously a real building they've added a couple like you know the arrival and departure or whatever is CGI yeah. in but it, like the the curvature of the lines everything about that that space is like it's a building a, it's like an institute of technology or something in England where they're like yeah we just found this location we put some Star Wars and CGI up there and you're like. I totally buy this as a location. Yeah. yeah, much more than I would a slightly more Star Warsian looking thing that was built in CG and projected on the the background. <laughs> like, yes, I mean the fact that it's tactile. Like when they're in the water and there's like there's the rusted ladder on the dam that they're going to be climbing up. Yeah. You're like, man, that's real because it's a real dam. And the the set designer was like, yeah, we found this location in Scotland. It, basically work perfectly because the facade of it almost looks like darth vader's mask yeah. too <laughs> and oh You're man like, they got the I, I don't know if they built it or like built on to what was already there but they've got that little like sentry post in the front with like the giant gun on top uh yeah it looks so good it looks awesome 
that looks good. The the apartment, it, it like whatever that world is, it's like it's almost like urban housing. It seems like you know, but I mean, Karn's walk through that. I mean, it is. It's just a. It's a long force perspective shot where you just get the depth of that brutalist architecture going all the way down like with the weird geometry and the gray the 1970s like, light fixtures yes <laughs> yeah. i'm just like oh again that that speaks to character as much as anything else that's in the show like like this is his life this is the hallway he walked down to to be greeted by a mother who's going to slap him in the face that gives you like I don't know, 40 pages worth of character history in just a couple of shots. You're yeah. Like, All right, that's how you do that. I mean, that's, <laughs> how, that's story. That's storytelling. That's storytelling at its finest. Using all of those things brilliantly. I don't know anything else that's really doing that at this level right now. That's a, that's awesome to hear because I only watch Star Wars. So. <laughs> See, I, I, I wanted to bring this up too because we're in like this golden nerd age right now where... We're getting Cassie and Andor. Uh-huh. There's also House of the Dragon, which is the the Game of Thrones prequel, right, which right. I'm a fan of. There's the Rings of Power, which is the Lord of the Rings thing. I'm watching all three of these, right? And I was like, in terms of where I'm at with them, Lord of the Rings, I got to the point where I was like, I'm watching it. I'm not like super excited about it. It's fun and it's pretty, but I'm not like, give me that next episode. Yeah, like I yeah. watched it this morning and was like, hmm. Uh, House of the Dragon, I love watching on a weekly basis. Like, it gives me something to look forward to. It airs on Sundays. It's like, it's the end of the week. There's going to be another one of these fun shows. Matt Smith is amazing in it. And then there's Andor, which is like the thing that I most look forward to. I was like, I love the anticipation that I have for House of the Dragon. I really enjoy the show. Andor, I have the same sort of feeling for. I was like, what's a what's like a comparison of, of how I feel about them? And I was like, okay, I would say. House of the Dragon is like the early pop Beatles, right? right? Where it's good, it's well structured, but the depth of it is not like as as deep as say later Beatles. Let's go like White Album for Cassie and Andrew, yeah. where like the structure's <laughs> yeah, there, but there's also like Beatles for sure. but we're also engaging in some ideas that are uh, uh, challenging and engaging and complex as opposed to like I want to hold your hand this is uh, glass onion you know what I mean like y- you get you get a definite sense of they're both good but for very different reasons so I enjoy both of them but Andor has given me I mean I'm, I'm a white album guy yeah as yeah. opposed to you know please please me or whatever um, so this is what hey, look, I, I, I mean, love. I is... love the early Beatles. Love the later Beatles, but the later Beatles blows the oh, early Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah, out of the water. They blow them away. <laughs> like it's not even close. Like they they had more uh, practice and drugs, and they were better. Um, I did want. We didn't really talk about this. What were your thoughts on the actual the eye itself? Oh, it was cool. I, I don't know that, that was just all that CG heavy stuff. Like I liked it. I like the introduction of it, right? With like one yeah. or two slowly building up. I thought it get, got the job done, but the, the CGI climax at the end was definitely like a low point in the show for me. Um, at that point, all the tension was kind of gone for me. I knew they were going to get out because Andor right. was on the, sh- you know, on, on, the, on ship. the ship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, like the, the piloting, you know, I just don't really buy it, um, especially because it was this big blown out like it 
the color palette was too strong. So like I didn't love it, but I don't care. I guess is my answer. Like I thought it was a fine plot device. Uh, I liked it in the like the super wide establishing. Oh yeah, um, where you see like it over the sky. I thought yeah, once dope. they got into it, it was like eh, you know it's 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 the climax. It's the thrilling like conclusion of the escape, which was fine. But to me, it was like I was more enthralled by. I liked it more seeing seeing it from the Aldani's perspective as opposed to flying through and 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 fighting perspective where yeah. you you get their version of what that is which is the sacred moment that they're having and then you cut to the midst of like this is our escape route we're we're using this to get out of here uh, I thought there were I, I liked the the wide angle of it I thought it looked yeah it looked cool. cool that's a good it's a good uh, concept for for their escape. Um. And brilliant, like brilliant that they're. Like, I, don't, I don't know if it's brilliant, but they're laying the tracks for from the beginning of this. Where like the eye, you know, it's a thing to behold. The eye, yeah. you know, it's going to be important. Where we're using that to escape, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's the eye. It's a good escape device. Yeah, well done. Yeah, they fucking took those ties right out, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with their with their inferior navigators <laughs> that they've got. <laughs> I uh, what what's your favorite uh, new location or vehicle there, BC? Ooh, man! To me, I'm gonna go. I'll I'll do a twofer. Favorite location: Mon Mothma's interior. Yeah, sick. And her 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 blue transport. Um, I mean the the set design on on her house is immaculate. Like a lot of that looked practical. I'm I'm sure there's a fair amount of CG that's involved, but like some of the like the the actual interior architecture is beautiful, and the way that there's like there's living trees that are worked into like the interior of her house. I was like, that seems like a pretty chill domicile <laughs> until you realize that like she's in the midst of this terrible marriage and she's always fighting with her daughter. So it's like the and it's it speaks to character. Right, it speaks to Mon Mothma. Outside, I've got to look pristine. I've got to keep up this facade. The <laughs> interior of my home is incredibly beautiful. Inside, I am raging against a storm that is like almost unstoppable. And, and also, nobody cares. Picture. And nobody yeah, cares. There's me. No one... I'm surrounded by wealthy people and politicians who would rather, you know, choke off a group of poor people than, you know ruffle yeah cut, <laughs> ruffle their, cut their off their shipping lines. lanes yeah. to starve people yeah uh and and she's got to be that that pristine imagery but what's inside is uh a tempest it's the, you know like is a to quote weezer a it's a bubble in <laughs> <laughs> it is a bubble in uh it's bubbling indeed so yeah to me I, I don't know when i saw that set i was like whoa and then I saw what they did inside of the set. It just subverted everything that I like, oh, this is so nice. And then you get the scene where she's has this like passive aggressive tension filled argument with her husband where he ends literally ends this scene with must everything be boring and sad. And I was just floored by that. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, we can't wait to see more of uh, Mon Mothma. I'm sure we will. Um, and who what knows? You? Maybe we'll get a Mon Mothma show. Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, location? 
Uh, I mean, vehicle? probably location is just uh, Luthen's little changing room. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, it's so good. I, I also, I, I really like that that apartment um, on Coruscant, a little Karn's apartment. Yes. It looks real good. I mean, it's so hard. Like, everything is good about, like, you, it's like, oh, yeah, I like my mouth. But then you're like, but also Karn's <laughs> was good, too. Also, the shit, like, there's no, there's no bad locations. There's no bad sets. Whereas, like, I felt like every episode with Kenobi were like, well, another great episode for the volume. Yeah. With a flat ground and some projected backgrounds. Different color dirt this week. Yeah. That's exciting. Very, the same exact granular powder of dirt, though. Just a different color. It's always the it same really, dirt. It really was shocking quality when you compare it to this. But, uh, you know, who know, who knows what they were dealing with? Again, there was a lot of covid things that i'm yeah. sure were happening I'd, I'd love to see the exact same story told in the exact same way with this production style uh you know i, I yep. think that would that would make a huge a difference but uh yeah bc we're big fans we mm-hmm. we've been through now uh six episodes of the show we got six left before we have to take a break before the next we're season ha- we're halfway um, there but yeah, should we talk about the standalone episode next week? As a, I think, I think probably we should. We can watch it and see if it's kind of if it is a true like. Oh yeah, we can just do a quick hit on the old standalone. Um, and then I have my copy of From a Certain Point of View coming. Oh nice! Uh, I think that's actually coming today. So we've got the uh, what is short it? story. You kind aren't welcome here. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> gonna gonna uh, maybe not put that in the the podcast title. <laughs> No, well, uh, from a certain point of view, short story, yeah. I think, would be fine. Uh, <laughs> would be perfectly acceptable. Uh, lest people think that we're something else. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that'd probably be good as a, a double coverage. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to dust off a golden oldie. I want to give out a Ewan McGregor Oh, award nice. Today. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give my personal Ewan McGregor award. Uh, I'm going to go... With uh, Alex Lothar as Nimic. Shout out, shout out, Nimic for existing in the Star Wars universe and having an actor portray the character and, and doing it well. What a cool way to get cast in a Star Wars. No one's gonna play that role again, probably, if, unless it's no. like a cartoon or something. You got your full arc in. You got to shoot a stormtrooper. You got to, you know. It, you got to be the the mouthpiece of of the revolution, um, and yeah, no one's gonna steal it from you. Uh, Sign sealed, delivered. You're out of Star Wars. You got in to the best of it, and you got out of there. That's the way, BC. Congratulations. I, really, I, I think he'll be a fan favorite for for years to come. I think so, and I also think that manifesto is uh, is not just going to collect dust on the shelf. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I think it will have. Uh, perhaps a not insignificant role in the future as we go forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm imagining a lot of people getting like Nimic inspired tattoos that that say like like short little cheesy phrases. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I think that will be coming. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a yes. good choice, BC. Um, you know, I, I can't even remember the character's name, but <laughs> our our inside man uh, really liked. Um, Lieutenant Gorn. Yeah, and you know I like Vel too as a not all the way there hero. Um, I like yeah. you know 
<laughs> I like seeing her struggle. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll give it to to Gorn um, just because I think that's a, a difficult role to pull off, uh, and I I liked watching it. Um, I feel like his he'd... moment. Uh, I was just sorry for cutting you off. I was just gonna say his moment when um, when uh, Jay Hold <laughs> yeah, realizes yeah. that he's responsible is so good where he's like you'll hang for this he's like i deserve work you know i deserve worse for you know working under you this all this time whatever the line, like his i don't know his that that line delivery you're just like yeah he's he's in it but again you feel the weight of we don't know all we know is that he he lost a, a native woman but you his performance sells you on the fact like i'm ready to die for this yep because i have seen and done terrible things in the name of this empire so let's go yeah <laughs> you know like you're just like i believe this guy 100 percent sold yeah 100 percent sold very they're also good love them well well done to all the the actors <laughs> good job congrats i i want i want the tops hobby and or release so i like this is an autograph oh, yeah. set i'd be like i'm putting together the entire and or autograph set give oh, me yeah. those rebels give me every like yeah cool this as hell. Is, the the mother yeah. uh sick autograph <laughs> oh my god the mother <laughs> chief inspector yep would be very high on my yeah, list I want. any any of our band of rebels obviously very high on the list yeah just uh, amazing job all around well bc speaking of top star wars cards uh you want to record a little hobby talk here in a second before i gotta ski that on to work we can do a little hobby talk i got a little hobby to talk about um so yeah thanks for listening everybody if you're out there appreciate it you can catch us on youtube you can catch the the edited podcast up on our podcast feed wherever and you can catch hobby talk on youtube uh but until next time uh bye forever because no percent